morning again. All right, so Gordon is out of town this morning, so y'all are stuck with me. But we're going to have a really good time diving into this. Um, so we're going to continue on in this series on the parables. And so if you got your Bibles, go ahead and start flipping over to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to pick up kind of right in that same area that we've been in, talking about the parables. But um, I'm actually going to pray before we go ahead and stand up and read, trying to leave some of these nerves a little bit, all right? So if y'all would, just pray with me. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, that it is true and it is unchanging, but it is still living and active and breathing. God, we just thank you for the boldness that you have with your people. God, I just pray over this message that, God, it would be your word heard, not anything else. God, I just thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I say, we are going to be continuing on in this section of the parables. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at a very short parable. It's actually only one verse long, but then there's a parable right behind it that says the exact same thing. This is the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value. So if, I, if y'all would stand as we read Matthew 13, chapter, uh, verse 44 through 46. It says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Thank you all. Y'all can be seated. So we've got this kind of same parable told twice, back to back. And so I want to go back real quick before we kind of dive in and look at kind of Gordon's five keys for looking at a, a, a parable. And so first off, we want to seek the main point. And so as we look at this parable, especially the parable of the hidden treasure, we don't want to get caught up in the weeds about covering it up and all of these other things. We want to stick to the main point. Uh, We're going to look to see if Jesus interprets this parable for us. Not directly, but we are going to look at a little bit of his other teaching around this. Um, And then the context of the surrounding verses. So as we get into this, we are going to look at this kingdom of heaven and how it's interchangeable with the wording of kingdom of God. And then um, we are not going to use this as a cornerstone of doctrine. And we are going to approach this spiritually ready. And so we're going to keep all of these in mind as we dive into this. And so with that, I want to look at uh, verse 44. And so this is the entire parable summed up. Not even summed up. This is just the entire parable in one verse. It's very simple. And it says the kingdom of heaven. And again, if we were to read in other uh, gospels, we know that this is the kingdom of God. All right, it's an interchangeable word. All right, we're not just talking about heaven. We're talking about the kingdom of God as a whole. All right, and so then we have this hidden treasure in this field. And the man finds it, and he covers it up. But again, that's not the main point of this message. So we are not going to sit here and get really down deep in the weeds about, well, where did he find it? Was he digging? Was he looking for it? And all these things. Did he have a metal detector? I don't think he did. All right, but we're, we're, we're not going to get really into all of that because the main point comes in that next sentence when he says, then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the main point of this parable is not the, the hiding. It's not necessarily even the finding, but it's the joy that comes from the finding. 
He finds this incredible treasure, and he's like, you know what? This is worth more than everything I have. I've got to have it. And he goes and he sells everything. And I, again, we don't know. This, this guy might not have had anything. He might have had mansions. We don't know anything about it. But he sold everything he had because what he found was so much greater than what he already had. And the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is this great value, this treasure. This salvation that we have in Jesus Christ from God is of greater value than anything we could ever have on earth. But I think one of the things that we kind of miss sometimes when we're reading this is that word joy. It says, in his joy, he was happy to give up everything he had for it. He said, no, 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 that's worth way more than what I have. This is going to be the best deal I've ever made. What I'm giving up is rubbish compared to what I'm getting. And, and, and if we were to look at other people in the Bible, we can see this Paul when he's writing in Philippians. He's just kind of gone through in chapter 3 talking about how he has everything there is to brag about. He's from the right line. He studied under the right people. He's done all the right things. But as we read in Philippians chapter 3 starting in verse 7, he says this. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Um, continue on there in 3, 8 through 11. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Again, he's lost Everything. This is a guy that in the prison, in the middle of the dungeon of uh, uh, Philippi, he's singing. Him and Silas, they're, they're lifting praises. They're enjoying praising God in the suffering. And he says that in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, it doesn't matter. Man, I'm all over the place this morning, guys. Y'all going to have to bear with me. Paul said, it doesn't matter what I have to give up. It doesn't matter what, it, what I have, what I don't have, because it's all worth giving it up to achieve what God has given me to, to, to receive this resurrection. Paul says, in other words, he's learned to be content because he's had everything and he's had nothing. But he's learned to be content with what God has for him. Paul was a living, breathing embodiment of this parable of the hidden treasure. He said, I'll give it all up for Christ. Everything. Everything. And he's not complaining about what he has to give up. He's not groaning about, well, I can't do this, or I need to go do this, or I got to do this. He's, no, he's happy about it. Gladly. If we were to look in Acts at the early church, people were selling their plots of land. People were going and doing, and there was uh, all these guys that were getting together, and they were like, no, 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 if you need something here, I'll gladly sell all that I have to help somebody else. What they had found was so much greater than what they had. 
This hidden treasure, this salvation, this, this new life was incomparable to what they had before. And so this, this kind of idea kind of brings up then, well then how do we look at this like this? Because when Christ talks about it, it looks vastly different. He says in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, he says the son, uh, it says, go to verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself first. Take up your cross, which was a brutal execution method basically bring yourself to death every single day repeatedly bring yourself to death and follow me again there's a cost involved with all of these it involves a giving up of everything you have giving up your life for something incredibly so much greater than what we could imagine. Now when Jesus says it like this, it's not exactly like round of applause, like come on, preach it brother. That's not exciting. That's not like, oh, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. Right? Like that's tough. But Jesus knew on the other side, verse 24, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake He'll save it. For what profit does, it, does a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses himself or loses his soul as we see in other parts? He's saying what you have to gain is so much greater. You'll lose everything if you hold on to what you have. You'll lose everything if you hold on to what you want in life. He's saying, no, I've got something so much greater. I've got something so much more beautiful. I've got something so much so that you'll be happy to give up whatever it was. And when I was reading through this and I was trying to, to, to understand some of this better, there was the one passage of Scripture that just kept coming to mind over and over and over again. And it's Psalm 23. And I think this psalm is something that will a lot of us in here are extremely familiar with. But Psalm 23 is David, like David singing out this amazing Scripture of following the Lord. And we have the whole thing right here for you. The Lord is my shepherd. My entire life at this point is to just follow. I'm giving up what I want to follow. I shall not want. Why? Because I'm following Him. I'm following God. I don't want anything else. I've got Him. There's nothing else that could compare. There's no treasure on earth. There's nothing we could have that would compare to following Him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Every time I read that, I'm like, he makes me? I'm like, please, let me lie down. Like, come on, let's take a break. Let's take a breather. Like, we don't call it a run with God. We call it a walk. Because that's what it is. It's leisurely. You're taking in the moment. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, re he leads me beside still waters. Or waters of rest, depending on what your translation says. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Man, this sounds good to me. How many of us in here feel rested and ready to go all the time? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, right? Like, we're busy. We're hurried. But when you're in that hurry, when you're in that busyness, you don't get to appreciate what it is that God has for you. You're in a grocery store and the line's taking forever. By the time you finally get up there to a person, which is rare these days, you don't appreciate that person. You're just like, please hurry. I've got a thousand other things to get done. But when we're walking with God, when we're not worried about where we need to be next, when we're not worried about anything else to come because we're just following Him, it's peaceful. We're embracing the rest. We're embracing the moment. We're, we're lying down. He's restoring me. And we're able to walk and be able to just talk and enjoy. I think for a lot of us in here, we, it's been a long time since we've taken time to just walk and enjoy a leisurely pace. He continues on. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I won't fear any evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Man, that's good. We're not going around. We're not going out of the valley. We're going right through it. We're going right through it. Anybody ever been walking down a dark road and you get a little scared you see somebody coming maybe you switch sides of the road you know you're going through there you don't feel super comfortable you're like "Ah, i don't know about this Nah, that's like walking with like a bunch of navy seals like you're not scared of anything at that point you're like come on you got nothing on me he says no i'm not i'm not scared of anything these guys god he comforts me thank you (laughs) i needed that says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When we give up what we have here, we are receiving rest. Restoration. New life. We're getting out of the hurry, 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 hurry for a slow down and appreciative time of God. We're coming out of this season of I've got to go, I've got to do, and I've got to do, and I've got to do, and I've got to go here, and I've got to go there, and I've got to go here. He's saying, no, I don't want you to do any of that. In Sunday school we were talking about before Jesus began His ministry before he, he, he began his public ministry, I'll say, he was baptized and God says, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. It was before he had done any public miracles. It was before he had done any public teaching. It was before he had gone to the cross. It was before he had done what he was supposed to do. It was before he had overcome Satan's temptation. It was before any of that. God's like, you're mine and I love you because of who you are and you're mine. 
Dads, like well, these are the kinds of words we need to be speaking into our children. I love you. You're mine, and I'm proud of you, and I'm pleased with you, not because of what you did on the ball field, not because of what you did on the classroom, but because you are mine. That's what God is telling Jesus right before he goes into this whirlwind of ministry. He says, I, I need you to make sure that you know this, you're mine. Regardless of whatever else happens, you're mine. Because I think sometimes we feel like we've got to earn this. If we haven't worked hard enough, we don't feel right resting. 